continuous improvement comes in lots of different flavors and styles. I'm Bella Engelbach, and I'm inviting you to journey with me to the edges of lean. Episode 102, Continuous Improvement and the Passion for Art. Kevo is a full-time artist who is a tattoo artist, painter, film, and theater producer, and he's an art teacher. And he joins me here at the Edges of Lean to share his inspiring story of overcoming a troubled childhood, jail time, and even a gunshot wound to pursue his passion for art. There's a lot to consider in this conversation for all of us in the continuous improvement world. Kevo, welcome to the Edges of Lean. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Kevo, please introduce yourself to uh, my audience uh, and tell us what it is you do today. And we all want to hear your story about how you uh, got into doing what you're doing today, which is such a fascinating story. Okay. Um, as you can see, my shirt says Tattoos by Kevo. Um, I sell a lot of my merchandise. I'm a, I'm a full-time artist. Uh, and by that, I mean I'm, I'm a tattoo artist. I also paint. Um, and I also produce film and theater. Um, and I teach art classes at the college level part-time. So every single thing I do revolves around art. Um, when I was younger, I, as you know, we, we've talked about this. I used to draw a lot and I was not raised by my parents. Uh, I overcame a lot to get to where I am today. And that makes the story interesting because with not being raised by my parents, I had a very troubled childhood. My mother's sister is actually, actually the person who raised me. I spent a, a lot of time in and out of jail, selling drugs, um, and just literally from from the bottom. Um, when I when I graduated high school, I was sent to jail for another nine months. And when I got out of jail, I was shot. Um, at the time, I used to box, which is crazy, and I was shot here, so I have this big scar here. So for those of you who are listening, he's showing a big scar on his on his upper arm, in the back of yeah. his upper arm, kind of where the triceps is. Yeah, yeah that's where I was. I was shot there, and I couldn't I couldn't box again. And I'm ambidextrous, so it's kind of crazy. But I, so I can still you, draw. When you when you paint or draw, do you is, do you have a preferred yeah. hand? Um, no. Uh, there's actually videos of me on the, online painting with both hands at the same time. Wow, but, that's amazing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So after being shot and going back to jail and doing all this drug dealing stuff, you know, one day I just thought, you know, I don't want to say one day. The time came eventually where enough was enough. And I started to change my life for the better. And like I told you, we had a conversation about this. I uh, went to when I started tattooing, I wanted to be a better tattoo artist. So I went to an art school at the museum, just strictly art because I didn't want to go to regular school and because I wanted to learn how to paint. And they go, well, you can't just come here and take painting. You got to take composition first. You have to take drawing first. You have to take design first. And I'm like, all of this just to paint. So, so when, I- when, when you heard that, so Kevin, I mean, this is just so fascinating 
that you, so you have this you have this moment right where you like you said enough is enough and you realize you had to change things yeah. um and you had been, you like you said you've been drawing your whole life but yeah. so so you you had that you kind of you had that artistic bent you that talent was already there but when you started out did you have any idea did you have any idea kind of like where you were going? I, I mean, you didn't visualize no, I yourself. Didn't, I didn't. And I'm sorry for rushing through my story. I, I was trying to make it short, but it's it's fine. I kind of rushed through it. But, you know, when I started tattooing, I started tattooing because when I would go get the tattoo, I would always have to correct the artist. Like, no, this is how. Oh, OK. No, All right. this is how this is. And I would say, no, this doesn't make sense. Or this, so the artist one day that I went to the most said, why don't you just do the tattoo? But he said it in a way that like, he's dead serious. Like not, I'm mad at you. He was like, I'm serious, bro. I cannot draw. He was like, I can't. He's like, you're, you're really good, you know? So I said, okay. So he told me what to get. And I did my first tattoo. He came to check it out. And and I had that moment that every artist has is that this sucks. You know, everybody's saying it's good, <laughs> but this uh -huh. is not good. You can so, you can see you can see things that other people can't see, right? Yeah. So when I went to the to the, as you got to remember, at the time I was selling dope. So my oh my, my the way that I processed things was was more so, you know, I have to do this in a dangerous environment. If I mess up some of these people's tattoos that I know, it's going to be a problem. Not that I'm afraid of anybody, but I was tattooing in, in a trap house, what we call a trap house. So I was, it was a place that we sold drugs out of. Uh -huh. So and were you using at the time? No, I was. I, 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 I'm not a. I, I don't abuse drugs. I, I only sold them. Now, um, and I have this. Uh, this. Uh, I don't, to this day, I don't smoke or drink. So. The thing was, thank you. That's is different. The thing was, I was, I was, I was in a headspace to how can I make this better? There's no school for tattooing. You know, there's no. They have these places you can go to a tattoo shop and learn under somebody. But at, I'm 20 years old at the time. I'm, I'm, um, I'm thinking like, all right, I already, my life is going down a drain with selling drugs. So. You know, I, I, under and under the wrong mind state, I was assuming that nobody would help me because I had no refuge my whole life, it felt like. So, and this is without guidance. Again, this is without parents. This is just me thinking, okay, maybe if I learn more about art, I could, you know, be a better tattoo artist. But the funny thing is, is that when I was in jail, I studied art and history a lot. I, that's it was all I would read. So I was studying um, a lot of war philosophy because of their take on history. I was studying a lot of African American artists, and I was studying a lot of just just stories about artists. Which brings you to my stage play that you know I'm doing. I'm doing the Vincent stage play, but all of that studying was huge in my growth because I was a step ahead. If you fast forward the story to me going to college, when I'm at the art school, the dean calls me in and he says, 
you know, you really can articulate art really well. And I don't think you should be at some art school trying to get a certificate for art. And I go, okay. And he, and basically he was kicking me out in a positive way. He's like, I'll write you a letter, a letter of recommendation. But I'd never been to college before. I knew nothing about college. He's the one who motivated me to go and get my bachelor's in fine arts. So the, the connection with Jill and the art school is that I was studying art on my own in prison. I was already studying what we learned in our history classes about who the artists were. And that's where I had an advantage. I was able to articulate more about art when I got around artists because all they did was study the trade. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't yeah, I couldn't, I could not at first draw as well as them, but I could explain it better than them. So I, I immediately had a huge advantage over time. I would become everywhere I went. I would, I would always be one of the best artists, if not the best artists. So, so in fact, we can just pause for a minute. I just want to like put, draw out a connection for my folks who are doing uh, lean thinking and continuous improvement. Because I think we see this all the time. We see, um, and, and as we start to learn about how to how to do something like this, we we see the artifact, we see the thing, we see the tools, and we think that that is the. Is, uh, you know, as you might say, the art, but the art is not the, it's not the, it's not just yeah. knowing how to paint art, knowing how to. It's not, do a, it's not. It's not, it's not, it's not. You, you see the final the result, side, you, right? You see the final result. I always tell people this about the Ninja Turtles. The Ninja Turtles are all named after master artists. Leonardo, yeah. Donatello, Raphael, Michelangelo, right? What's interesting to me is that Leonardo is the most popular artist out of those four, but he made the least amount of art. And that is very interesting to me. It's, it's, and I say that to say that you see the art, like when you said that you see the, see the art and you don't really see what makes it, it great, right? And I and I and, and this is a this is the best example I can give you. The reason why Leonardo's more popular is because he painted the Mona Lisa. Now, the, the Mona Lisa is mathematically sound. It's a very mathematically correct painting. But Leonardo, what he's great at is the foundation of art. The, all of the foundational components are in his artworks. When you look at his sketches, because he was more of an engineer or scientist than he was an artist. When you look at his sketches and his preparation and his study of anatomy, you can, you can really see all of the mathematical principles in his artwork. And the foundation is so well composed that you probably can't name another painting other than Mona Lisa. But with the other artists, you can name a lot of their statues, their paintings, their, just they have so much more work. And that's just always been interesting to me is that, you know, the, the core still matter most. When I went to that art school, they said, you can't just paint. You, you need to learn composition. You need to learn drawing. You need to learn design. And that is Leonardo's work. 
It's, it's all of that. It's all of that. It's a, it's a, it's the foundation. It's the, it's the spirit behind it. It's the meaning. And I, I think mm -hmm. what you're also saying, it's the person, right? What you Oh yes. It's what, the you, <laughs> what you were interested in, what you studied was the, was who are these people? What, what, are the, what are these people like? And, and how did they think? Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, okay. So, you you you've moved on. You moved on from your your life uh, dealing drugs to becoming a tattoo artist because somebody said to you, "Hey, Kevin, Kevo, <laughs> Kevo, why don't you do it? Why don't you do it?" And then you moved on from art school to college, basically because of the same message from another person. Yes. What did that mean to you when somebody reached out to you and said, "Hey, I actually see you. I see what you do." You, you know, you know what? I, I've never had that at, at, at times until some of those people. This is why I repeat these stories because they may have not known what they were telling me because I've never had any refuge or advisor, right? So, and this is no disrespect to my aunt. My my, my aunt has always been there for me. She's actually mm -hmm. upstairs right now, but. Wow. I've never had a I've never had people to say, hey, you know, you should do this um, in, in a typical way that I would say a parent would, which is why. I when I got to U of H, my favorite professor, her name was Gail. And everybody hated Gail, everybody, all of the she had some students quit the program, she would cry. And she would, have, she would have some students cry. I'm sorry, I said she would cry. Yeah. And they would just say, she's so mean. Gail came to my studio every morning and talked to me about what I'm doing wrong. And not only did she do that, if I had a question, she had an answer. And she would email me and say, check out this book and check out this artist. And she is the first person that I feel like cared about my artwork. So my perspective was not that I was being criticized or kicked out of art school or that he was being mean to me when he was like, you just do it. My perspective was that they cared. You get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So, so that, that was not... That was never, that meant a lot to me. Those people saying, hey, you should do this or you should try this. To me, that was sincerity. That was genuine care. Like, hey, you could do better. That's all I heard. You know what I mean? When he told me, you you, you shouldn't sell dope, bro. You should do tattoos. When he said, you shouldn't be in art school. You're smarter than my teacher. He said, you're smarter than the people that are teaching you. That's what he told me. And no, no offense to those teachers. But he was talking about in terms of art. And he said, you don't even know this and you know this. He didn't know I've been in prison and was reading about this type of stuff. Because um, I could, uh, for example, um, I knew about Peter Paul Rubens, for example, and his trip to the halls and all of this stuff and his life story. And, you know, they're like, yo, where did you come from? Where did you get your degree from? You know what I mean? And I'm like, I just learned about it, you know? so. Me going from that, and then you got to think when I'm skipping over and saying, oh, I went to college. Nah, I had to go relearn algebra. I had to go. Mm. That was hard to go write papers. I had to go from selling dope to 
read to change my entire identity. You know what I mean? So, so how did Kevin? How did that? How did that? That like work for you on a day to day basis? You know, one of the things that we that we see, you know, in the work that we do and in, in continuous improvement is that people sometimes like have a, you know, have an idea of what they want to do. And the first time they go to try to do it, it doesn't work. Right. And then it feels like it's not going to work more than likely. Yeah. So it's so, not going to work. Most likely. Yeah. I, love, I love that. It's not going to so, work. Most likely. Yeah. But, you have to fight through it because the moment you start to change the, the people around you either have to change as well, or you have to change the people. Because your your whole identity is about who you were. It, but that's why it makes it so hard. Um, that's why they call it a 180 instead of a 360. The, your whole identity, if you, if I'm hanging around drug dealers, they can tell me who Frank Lucas is. They cannot help me understand the life of Pablo Picasso. That it, it would take them a million years. So as I started to change, I had to stop hanging around these people. I, and 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 this is this is hard for some people because you have emotional bond, you have emotional connection with mm -hmm. people who who actually ultimately harm you in life. But either they gotta go or you gotta go. So you have to choose yourself. Now, not only do, do I have to change who I'm hanging around. I got to change myself and I have to, to adapt to these other people because it's almost like now I have to fit into a new crowd. So from my perspective, I have to fit in over here. And from my, my friend's perspective, either, oh man, he's improvement proving or, oh man, look, he, he, he ain't with us no more. He don't want to be hanging with us no more. The ones that said, man, I see you improving, we're still friends to this day. And the other ones you had to leave behind. Yeah, they're still in the same corner, more than likely. Chilling. Wow. Wow. So there's a lot. I think there's a lot for, for other people to draw there, right? And uh, What you said I, is so important. And when you start to change, right? Other people have kind of adjusted to the way you are, right? Are, mm -hmm. are you fitting into, and this might be in a work situation or home situation, other people are kind of, they've they've molded themselves around who you are, the kind of the shape you are. What you're saying is, as you start to change, that's going to impact other people, right? And that's, that is really important. Like I think if we're thinking about that, if, for example, doing improvement at work, that once mm -hmm. you start to change how you behave as uh you know as an employee as a leader as a manager as a teacher that's going to other people are going to have to change as well definitely it's it's not just it's not just about you and sometimes you're going to have some some impact yeah for sure for sure yeah yeah so so what are you doing today? You, you're telling us <laughs> you, you, you have so much going on. So I want I want to hear what, yeah, what so, you're doing so, today. So again, I'm, I'm a full-time artist. So everything is basically, everything is a part-time job. I tattoo part-time. I teach part-time. I paint part-time. I sell my merchandise 
on my website, everything is there. So you get to see everything. I do. You can book a tattoo, you can buy a shirt, you can buy a mug, or you can see my next production, which is I'm doing a, my biggest thing I'm doing today is I'm doing a stage play, a world premiere on Christmas Eve about Vincent Van Gogh. And I'm going to be playing Van Gogh. Uh, the perspective that the play is done um, as a playwright, uh, writing is still art for me. So yes, I can write a play. Yeah, um, writing definitely art. <laughs> I, I so definitely agree with the that. The perspective is that Vincent's family and friends are talking about his life as a as a as a theatrical play. So the format is they're they're not talking. They're talking to each other, but they're talking to the audience about Vincent's life, but he's there in spirit. So the entire play, I'm painting Starry Night. I'm painting his most famous painting oh, while they're talking. So that's my next big, big deal. And 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 this is something that I that I would like to. Uh, I'm looking forward to traveling. I'm um, doing it one time here in Houston for the first time, and then I'm going to try to see where I can take it from there because it's so a very that will very be that would be December 24th, 2023. Yes, ma'am. In in Houston. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Wow. And you, and so so you 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 as you said, writing is art. So but it, and then you're also producing this play, right? So yeah. so you are you're you're involved in in finding the cast and Yeah, I'm in directing and everything. And and I wouldn't have never so so my 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 first art form well drawing is, is was first but my first art form that I learned that I was in school for was theater because in high school I was in theater and before that I was in theater but I'm saying that to say who can say that I don't think there's anyone that knows me personally that will be thinking oh man you will be doing a play about Vincent Van Gogh that, that you wrote one day you know from a child right so who's to say that had I not made that change, who would I know would I know the person that I am today? You never know your potential. You know, I couldn't be more mm. proud of myself. Wow. And, and, so that's it's really interesting to me, Kevin, the, the the way you're talking about this, because you're saying, you know, you never know your potential. And I think that sometimes what we do as human beings is we imagine what we want to do we set goals for ourselves right um, mm -hmm. you you set a goal for yourself to to be a tattoo blindly blindly you have to you have to be it's weird because everybody gives this advice that i always hear you got to be able to see it you got to be able to manifest it i don't think that's true uh-huh yeah I, I i think that i think that half of it is true I think you have to be able to believe it, believe that you can see it. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say that you have to be able to believe that you can see it, but, but you, you, you have to, because you can definitely see the negative. And if, and if you work so hard to change something for the positive, you, you have to be able to see the negative and be like, I know what that road gets me and I, I can lose everything I'm working for which I don't know where this is going to get me, but I trust and believe that this is better. I could lose all of this if I go back down that path or if I continue down this path. I, I think that it's unknown. 
I think that's that that's a better way to look at it. Like it's it's a it's a leap of faith. I really I really believe that. Like and and where you where the goal that you set for yourself, whatever it is, the journey to gaining that goal may take you somewhere else, right? It may take yeah. you somewhere better. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Are you gonna you're gonna develop some skills along the way, some some friends, some companions, some yeah. you know, some knowledge that's, that's gonna true. take you to a place you that you didn't even imagine, right? That's yeah. A, yeah, mm. yeah. I I was just thinking uh, uh, something a friend told me the other day. So my, I have a friend who had just did a like you know, a bucket list trip to go hiking in Yosemite with with another friend of his, a mutual friend. And um, so they went, they had this, they, they planned this for a long time. They, they had a really fantastic trip hiking in Yosemite, a trip, truly trip of a lifetime. Well, they came back and the weekend after they came back, they decided to, instead of walking their favorite trail back here in Pennsylvania, they decided to run it. And they found mm. that they could run that whole trail. And it was hot here, not as hot as Houston, but it was hot here. But they were able to run that whole trail which was not something they had expected as an outcome of, you know, this bucket list trip yeah. to Yosemite. But what they had gained in that trip was something that they didn't even imagine. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you a story. The the Vincent um, play, um, I, I wrote a song about Vincent and I work out a lot, you know, and I was challenging myself to finish uh, this this run and in a certain amount of time. And for a couple of weeks, I, I, I kept getting closer and closer to my time, but I, I just didn't get it. And the the day that I that I finished in my in the amount of time that I wanted to finish uh, is the day that I thought of the song that I would write the, the play. So so in a, in a way it kind of associates with what you said. Like you never know what you're gonna get when you when you when you have a plan and then something just happens. But I remember being the last part, which is the hardest part of it. It's a straightaway. It's like a I think it's um it's 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 pretty long. Uh, but but I was like okay I have I have this much more time to finish this. And immediately when I said that the song just clicked in my head and it and it sped me up just a little bit more. And I was like oh yeah I gotta write this down when I get in the car. And I was tired, but yeah, I, I stumbled across that when while I was going for a run. But if and you I'm, sat down to write the song, it might not happen, right? Yeah, definitely. It pro- probably wouldn't have, but it pushed me. I'm talking. It was weeks. It, it was. It, it was. It was. It was three weeks, and I I finally got it one week, and I was like, yes, I finally did it in this under this time frame. And right at the end, when where and what happened was the first week. I would stop running at certain points because I work out, but running is a different, you know, and I had a cardio for it. So I would calculate, okay, I stopped right here and I walked the rest of the way. So now I got to run further. And then on the last time when I, before I actually finished, I said, I think if I can just do this straight away at the end, I'll be fine. And that's the, t- the time that I got. I said, okay, I'm at the straightaway. You can't stop because you're not going to finish in time. And right when I was hitting that corner, I thought of it. Oh, that's the song that I should put in there. And it, it just came to me. So you're not just a playwright and an artist, a tattoo artist, a, uh, an author. You you also you also write songs. Yeah, every play that I have, there's a song I wrote. 
So, 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 it, which is interesting because I was, uh, when I was selling drugs, I would, I studied, I told you I was studying art. So, I, you know, in studying art, you study music, um, you come across it, which is a lot of people mm-hmm. don't really know that about art school is that art school, you study all forms of art. You don't just study what you do. You, you, so for example, they will tell you, you need this many credits of art, but this many have to be in what you're doing. So let's say, for example, you need 60 in painting, but you need 30 in art. So a lot of times you can get credit for taking, for learning music, you can, for learning theater, you can get credit for, you know, different forms of art. Harry, you, you, you've traveled to to Europe, you've been, you've, you've uh, studied in Europe um, yeah. you've talked a lot about European artists I'd, I'd love to hear you talk about African-American artists other than yourself uh, yeah well you know I feel like I have uh, under as far as our African-American artists I feel like I have the most interesting story um I, I want to write a play about Basquiat because I think his story is interesting uh-huh. but I've I've I'm more I'll, I'll say this I'm a pro-black person but that does not mean that I don't appreciate other nationalities genders Uh races or you know or anything else I have a very diverse brain because there has been times in my life where there wasn't a black man or a black woman who have helped helped me you know so I don't have a, a issue with showing an affinity to this art but in terms of African-American artists, the one who has the most influence on my life was Michael Ray Charles. Um, I did a, 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 a project on him when I was at the art school. And I, and um, after that project, what I wrote about him is when the dean was like, yo, this, is a, this paper is long. That's what he said. He said, this is not a college. You don't have to write papers this long. And he was like, it's very impressive. I think you should go to college. I, I, I went to U of H because Michael Ray Charles was teaching there and he's an African-American artist. And when I took his class, he was, he's, he's famous. So he barely was there. He was barely available, you know? So I learned a hard lesson. Like, you know, you, you're not going to get what you think so you're going to get, but so he was got- very helpful. He was still very helpful. And, um, and um, he, he was serious about content. I, I just remember his words. He was very serious about what I was delivering and he, he was going to come to my last play, but he didn't make it. But, uh, but again, um, it's just have, have, has been, I, you know, for whatever reason in history, you know, we have a lot of historical issues in terms of racism and in terms of systematic oppression that African-Americans have not been involved in these type of arts other than the Harlem Renaissance. And there are great African-American artists. Don't get me wrong. But the Harlem Renaissance, there, there was just more. It was a lot more being developed. But other than that, my 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 African American artists that I love are typically not in painting or drawing. They are. It's Prince. It's Michael Jackson. It's Lorraine Hansberry. It's Baldwin. James Baldwin. It's people like that. They're more on a literal. They're more on a intellectual side or entertainment side because of their 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 prestige or their work ethic. Uh, versus a painter, I I don't. I think of more Italians and Dutch or French or I love French artists. You know, so 
So that's why I probably don't, I, I don't really bring them up because even with Basquiat, like I'm not a fan of his art. Is I mean, I'm not really a big fan of his art or his life um, compared to his contemporaries, which would be Andy Warhol. Um, uh, Andy Warhol is a, a gay male that printed artwork. He was a printmaker and he, he tried to outwork Picasso, which is a huge feat because Picasso is known as the hardest working artist ever. So Andy Warhol built this factory and he just had this idea about marketing. And it's just, you know, his female friend shot him. And it's just a lot more interesting than, than, than a Basquiat story for me, who the highlight of Basquiat's story would be he, he tried to rape his little cousin. He got kicked out of his house. He chose to be homeless and he overdosed on heroin and, and um, fentanyl. So, you know, that's crazy. But when it comes to African-Americans, I tend to take a more respectable route. I tend to be, um, I appreciate Baldwin or Lorraine Hansberry or Michael Ray Charles or, you know, I, I appreciate Reginald Lewis, he, he, even though he's not an artist. Yeah, yeah. People and well, all the people you're talking about are people who really, whatever their art is, they put a lot of time and effort and education. Yeah, as it, he right? did too, right. but his was more about yeah. conspiracy almost. His art was more, Basquiat was more about conspiracies. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Your, your, your website, Kevo, is, uh, yeah, uh, is artbykevo.com. Artbykevo.com, and you have some really beautiful work on there. Tell us about how would you define your art? Um, you have some prints on there that are just yeah, are just gorgeous. I, I, yeah, I have some. I thought I took the prints down because I wanted to. I, I put the artwork on my merchandise, and I wanted to fo focus on selling the shirts and stuff because I like how my art looks on shirts and shorts and hoodies and mugs and bags and yes. pillows. I love how that looks. So my art is based on social experiences, human, human experiences, uh, humanity, uh, racial dynamics, and um, anything that has, uh, how can I say this, uh, a social, social, I don't want to call it an issue, but a social phenomenon. So for example, the, the painting that I did in Germany is called Mercury Retrograde. Uh, a lot of people are, are big in astrology and believe that the Mercury retrograde is an astrological event that affects human beings emotionally and affects our communication. And a lot of people during the Mercury retrograde, during that time, they, they feel a lot of depression or awakening, either or, and they make a lot of changes in their life. And this phenomenon was, was has always been so interesting to me. So interesting to me. So I decided to paint this. What is it? It's 90 inches it's it's huge it's like eight feet painting nine feet painting eight wow. or nine feet painting and it's called the mercury retrograde i paid i started in germany and i flew it back out here and i finished it here in america and i i, I honestly you know for me i know you asked me to talk about my art and and, and but the germany trip um for me it cleared up so much that I thought I knew about the world and the war. And it showed me that, it showed me that 
how behind America was with social issues because the Germans and the Jews, that Holocaust, it's forgiven. The, the reparations are there. The people are pro-peace. Um, the history is everywhere. You know, it's almost like the history society. is required, right? People have yeah. to learn the history. They must learn yeah. the history. And in America, it, a lot of our bad history gets washed or watered down or deleted. And I think that that had a huge impact on me because it gave me a sense of, you know, don't be so close minded to power and how people in power really really play the cards you know what what you know for example if you're a baby right now you know you're just a little baby you have no idea about slavery or the holocaust you know and who is in power as a little baby is more than likely the mother and the father you know so it put me in a sense of wow you you really have to educate your children about the harsh realities of, of life because the people in power, you cannot expect them to, to show them the biggest threat to humanity, which is hate. Did you visit concentration camps? I visited everything I could. It was horrible. And, 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 and what was also interesting to me was and I'm telling you, I, I asked people this because I'm. It's it was I was I stuck out. You know, I'm black walking around Germany. It was not a lot of black people there. I think I saw three black people. <laughs> wow. I asked people, I asked people about if they can compare it to slavery, and not one person said that the Holocaust was worse. And that was very interesting to me that you made this such a big deal, and you feel like slavery was worse. Because they had, they shed light on the idea that, you know, they, that, I remember one, it was an older woman. She told me, you know, what, and maybe they're just telling me this just to make me feel better because they, I'm black, you know, maybe, I don't know. But it was, I asked a few people and I'm very, very communicative. And, but, I, but what this one lady said stuck out the most. She said that you cannot take centuries of something and 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 have it having an effect on people and and belittle belittle it and compare it to a world war where someone treated a, a nationality so harsh that it affected them. And she said the what makes it worse is that Germany gave reparations. Germany apologize germany you know educated the future about this and she said from what they know you know america just freed the slaves <laughs> yeah and, and then, then there was and then there right. was jim crow right so i mean so yes. it was yeah yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, share, yeah. sharecropping and uh, yeah, yeah it's, sharecropping it's the... and jim crow which is in my last play and i and i and i and i really i love educational stuff and I really had to put that in my play because I made it after the civil rights movement because I felt like even being Afri African-American, I feel like African-Americans don't understand Jim Crow. I think they just hear the words and just like, oh, it's just the name Jim Crow. And it's like, nah, it's, it's, it was horrible, you know? So 
So I think, you know, to, to bring this full circle and to not take too much time on this, I think slavery gets brushed over and the Holocaust doesn't. Mm-hmm. I think that's what happens. Yeah, and and slavery was generational. I think that's yeah, definitely, that, definitely. That's I think that's the other thing that people like really don't understand because I'm hearing a lot of people, especially this week, the week that we're recording this, talking about well, you know, well, the you know, so enslaved people were freed, and the whole thing about gaining additional skills, which is I don't even want to say what yeah. ridiculous thing that is to say, but you're talking about when you say that you're talking about one generation right yeah. and not all enslaved people were actually freed i mean it's just it's yeah. just so much nuance is lost yeah and, you, and you were just, just born into the world uh, yeah. in a disadvantage yeah. when yeah. you're driving around germany you could be driving and say oh mcdonald's oh a starbucks oh a graveyard you know it just hits you you know like boom oh a concentration camp you'll just be driving and it's still there that's what was a big deal to me. I was like, yo, and you would stop and read it. And you're like, man, this is kind of messed up. But you feel you you get uh, it gives you a sense of humanity. It gives you a sense of care. Like uh, you don't get that in America, even on the news. The perception of African-Americans, uh, especially when I was younger, was always bad. They never talked about uh, a Neil deGrasse Tyson or a Reginald Lewis on the news when I was younger. It was always bad. It was always negative or it's always entertainment. And it's just the perception that power can do, you know, and 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 you could take the word power lightly because it could be also media, you know. But and also you can't speak for everybody. I, I get it. And there's ratings and there's capitalism, but it is what it is. <laughs> but all of all of this informs what you do, right? Kevo, it, it it informs Definitely. your art, your your your, your your visual art, your 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 plays, your songs, and and Definitely. everything that you do. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. Kevo, tell us tell us your website one more time. Artsbykevo.com. Artsbykevo.com. So everybody yeah. go and check it out, especially before he takes the prints down, because I want you to see the beautiful beautiful <laughs> art. Um, the, the one I love, Kevo, is is um the the um i think it's a it's a woman i'm not sure if it's a woman with in my feelings hands folded and the flowers in my feelings oh in a woman feelings. hands folded oh no 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 a woman wait no i should remember the name it was something it's about, okay it's, a, it's okay eternally blooming well, like her head is blooming, her Yeah, eternally blooming, eternally blooming. Eternally yeah. blooming, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's nice. I like that one. I like that one. Yeah. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevo, we've covered a lot of ground here. Your your journey from, from dealing drugs to uh, to everything that you're doing today. And uh, yeah. I want to wish you all the best, especially... Uh, with that Christmas Eve premiere, that sounds really exciting, and I hope some folks in mm-hmm. in Houston listen to this and uh, check out, um, you know, come and come and support you with that. Um, but I would like to ask you, what would be your piece of advice for a young person starting out? We talked about that baby starting out. What would be your your one piece <laughs> of advice once they get a little bit older, right, and they can yeah. listen to some advice? It, it would be that that life is hard for everybody. And when you hit, hit an area where you really want to change, 
um, it's going to take a lot of accountability. You cannot, you cannot really blame your surroundings or your history or your condition on everybody else and sit in that negativity. You have to take some accountability. You have to look at yourself and, and make a decision and not look back. Um, there was one thought in particular that I, I used to think, and I actually learned this from Tupac. He said, somebody has to explain to me why I don't have anything. And when I was younger, I used to think about that quote all the time. Like, man, why don't we have this? Why don't, why do we get heirlooms? Why are we poor? Why do we get food stamps? Why? And I remember one day thinking, man, you sound weak. You know, you don't have it because you didn't go and get it. You didn't, you didn't put any initiative. So what happens if I try? And those type of thoughts, that shifting of my mentality that, that everybody talks about, changing your mentality, helped me far more than soaking in the negative. So take some accountability for what you can control would be my advice. Take some accountability for what you can control. That is excellent advice for everybody. Yeah. Hey, Kevo, thank you. I have enjoyed this conversation so much and I really appreciate you traveling with me to the edges of lean. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This is Bella Engelbach and I'd like to thank Kevo for being my guest at the Edges of Lean. What did you learn from this conversation? What ideas did it spark? We would love to hear from you. Find Kevo at artbykevo.com. Find me on LinkedIn or at leanforhumans.com or comment wherever you watch or listen. And check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com where you will find lots of great new content every week. The Ages of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelbach with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.